Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. And I am Sir Ian McKellen. We were on Lord of the Rings together. And we're best friends. We're making the ultimate Lord of the Rings rewatch podcast. But also a dating advice podcast. We're the lords of the engagement rings. Good morning, Sir Ian. How are you doing? Oh, what do you mean, good morning, Elijah? Do you mean to wish me a good morning, or that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Or do you mean that you feel good on this particular morning, or that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Uh, how fun is it that uh, we get to do this podcast? And there's a perfect lead-in to the Cinemaholics podcast. Oh, yes, that John Negroni and especially the Sam fellow are so kind to let us air our pilot episode to such a massive audience. Okay, okay, okay. Our listeners don't know this, but Sir Ian, you were quite the practical prankster when we were on the set for Lord of the Rings. What the f*** are you talking about? Uh, oh, I, I just meant that when we were making Lord of the Rings, you were so uh, mischievous in a fun way, you know, cracking jokes always. Oh, you said I was a prankster. The f*** are you talking about, bitch? I don't remember pranking sh- uh, uh, okay, I think we should take our first caller. How about that? Someone needs a little dating advice, it seems. Uh, yes, yes, I suppose so. All right, is that you, James Willis from Kansas City? Hello. Hello there, you're on the air with the Lords of the Engagement Rings. Oh, uh, hi. Uh, what can we do for you, James? Um... Could I get some advice? Oh, no sh**. You want some advice? You called us, after all. Ian, Ian, please calm down a little bit. It's just that, well, I've been stuck at home the last few weeks because of the coronavirus, and I want to have a relationship with somebody, but it's kind of hard to date right now. So just date later, for God's sake. Elijah, can you believe this jackass? Uh, Jimmy, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, I, I have some advice. Have you thought about going on a dating app and starting up conversations with people, even though, you know, you can't go on face-to-face dates, but you can maybe work on your profile a bit and maybe flirt with someone? Oh, yes, Eliza, you certainly would know about flirting now, wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, uh, what what does that mean? You know exactly what it means, Eliza. You were such a flirt when we were making Lord of the Rings. You wouldn't leave poor Samwise Gamgee alone. It was rather embarrassing, I might say. How many times do I have to explain this? No, Sir Ian, that was my character, Frodo. I wasn't... No, it wasn't me being flirty, it was the character. Oh, I see how it is. It was your character, Frodo Baggins. Whatever you say. Okay, anyway, I... You always do this, you know, Sir Ian? Uh, Always holding me to that road like it's the only one... Oh, I'm terribly sorry I didn't watch more than one episode of Wilfred. Is that what this is about? I just think that if you're willing to watch Daniel Radcliffe's stupid indie movies, the very least you can do... It was on FX. Oh, I'm so terribly, awfully sorry I haven't been checking in on every little cable show you've walked on. And and you did this in the group chat just the other day with the rest of the crew, too. And I'm so tired of... Confound it all, Frodo Baggins! I don't understand what you expect from me. It's Elijah. You were like this when we were supposed to be roommates and you backed out of the lease. 
I don't understand what you want from me, Elijah. I told you I wanted a month to month, but you had to cheap out on the contract, and I specifically said that- Fine, fine, I'm sorry, is that what you wanted? Fool of a wood, you just won't let go of the pass. You're really sorry? Yes, fine, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, so... Thank you so much for calling in, Jimmy. Oh, yes, we wish you the best of luck, and we do hope things work out for you soon, and don't forget to wash your hands now. Uh, okay, bye. Oh, I forgot to say fly, you fool! Ah, f*** it. I think we really helped him. Oh, yes, I just hope he takes all the advice we gave him seriously. He didn't have to be such a little b***, though. Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have this week for Lords of the Engagement Rings. And remember, all we have is to decide what to do with the time that is given to us. As long as it's not watching Wilfred. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. You're listening to the soundtrack for Bakurao, composed by Matthias Alves and Tomas Alves Souza. I'm John Negroni, I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of Cinemahawks.com, and I occasionally write books. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he also reviews films for Cinemahawks.com. It's Will Ashen. Howdy ho. Hey, Will, we have a special guest. I don't know if you know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How about that? It, how fun. It's always great to have him on. He yeah, is yeah. Uh, one of our Cinemahawks.com writers. Uh, he helps do our lists, and he just generally, he, he, he comes on that Extra Milestone podcast, but you know why? Yeah, why? He goes the extra mile. It's Sam Nolan. Uh-huh. That's me. I'm known to do uh, wizardry occasionally, but I've decided to set that aside for this episode of Cinemaholics. I'm looking forward to it. It's hopefully going to be wonderful because we're going to be doing something, Sam, I know that you are especially good at, finding interesting movies to stream. And mm. uh, we have quite a few to get to this week. Those films include Bakurao, The Platform, McMillions, a bunch more Hopefully you all are going to enjoy these reviews we've got coming up. But for now, you can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive, on cinemaholics.com. If you want to write into the show, tell us what's on your mind. Our email is always open, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon, if you have not already, patreon.com slash cinemaholics. We've got tiers and perks and all that fun stuff. And lastly... We get it. Times are tough. If you can't support us financially, if you just don't want to, which yeah makes sense, totally understandable, you can always support us uh, free of any charge by going to ratethispodcast.com slash cinemaholics, and you can leave us a rating. And as always, we consider all five-star ratings to secretly be 4.5 ratings that you just <laughs> want to step it up. But all right, let's uh, let's get into it. You know, we we had some off topics, but I think we're punting a lot of our off topics to sort of weave throughout this this episode because all of these like reviews we're doing. One of the special things about them is that these are all movies that we found streaming or we found a way to watch them that was a bit unconventional. So as we go throughout the episode, we'll explain how you can perhaps watch these and some other uh, resources that are available to you, the listeners, because we understand that a lot of you are stuck at home like we are. And some of you have a lot of extra. Some of you have a lot of extra time on your hands, and it can be tough to like sift through all of the new stuff and the stuff that you could just watch that you are you know you already like. But since we're cinemaholics and we're trying to find stuff that's new and could be potentially interesting to a lot of you listening, we're going to focus on that. So 
let's get started with the only movie all three of us have seen. And that movie is Bakurao. Uh, Sam Noland, can you explain yes. Bakurao? Is it possible? Uh, it, I believe it is possible, as a matter of fact. Uh, Bakurao is a uh, kind of a whole lot of genres really mashed together in this uh, kind of kind of breathtaking uh, little movie that of, of the kind that I've never really seen. So basically, uh, the way that the movie starts is that. Uh, we drive into this small village in Brazil. Um, I forget the name of the actual region. It's been a week or so since I've watched this movie. Yeah, I think it's like Sierra Verdes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But the point is that it's this little, uh, little, this small little community. There's only there's only like a couple hundred, if or maybe a couple thousand of them, um, and. Uh, we see that they all know each other, and as a matter of fact, when we get there, they're mourning the death of sort of the village elder, so to speak. Um, one of them, yeah. One of the village elders, yeah. They they got a, a lot of a lot of very wise uh, uh, figures that they look up to in this village, and we see a political candidate drive in with these really frivolous promises of look i'm bringing you books and education and there's this there's yeah, this attitude of like, food <laughs> yeah exactly there's this attitude of like what about like food and medical mm. attention that would be nice uh you know and government water. and water yeah exactly. yeah yeah we and, find out there's some baggage there the movie kind of lays out the, uh-huh. the the tension between uh these people and the local government for sure yeah, and uh, they're just they're just clearly not having any of it, and they're finding they're finding their own way well enough. And so, what ends up happening is that these two, what they think are two tourists, come riding into town, uh, and they find out that there's no cell phone signal, and that something uh, rather mysterious is afoot. Yeah, that should be all we say. I I vote. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say anything else. I want I, I I want to give a vague idea of what happens through there because I feel like that would be fair because it's most of the movie in all fairness. Uh, a couple of the villagers go off like sort of away from the main uh, part of the village, and then flying saucer shows up, <laughs> and yeah. we realize something's going on here. And- Probably uh, the most. A surprising flying saucer I've seen since Fargo season two, <laughs> which is certainly saying something. And from there, I, I, I guess we're not going to specify what exactly happens, but um, it becomes really exciting and really, honestly, uh, rather deftly satirical in the way that mm-hmm. this uh, conflict will say uh, in in the way it unfolds. The only thing I'll add is that Udo Kier shows up. Yeah, Udo like, Kier is is Kier, being built as one of the main uh, stars of this movie. Udo Kier shows up as a bad guy. Let's say yeah. that. What a surprise! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of you will recognize him from a lot of B movies, of course, and uh, movies maybe by like Lars von Trier and Werner Herzog. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised. I did not know he was in this movie, and as soon as I saw him. <laughs> He's right on the poster. I hadn't seen the poster. I literally just started watching. um, So the way I saw this was through the Alamo Draft House. They have a way that you can screen it for $12. And that's how I watched it. And I think you have like 48 hour access. So it's like renting it. And um, that actually worked pretty well. 
yeah, I mean, I actually I didn't watch it through the Alamo Draft House. I watched it through my local one of my local art house theaters, which is uh, the Row House Cinema here in Pittsburgh. And I would say if you're looking for this movie, uh, check definitely check like your local indie theaters because a lot of them might be playing it that way. So. If you, in addition to the Alamo. Yeah, it wasn't playing through the Landmark Theater, which is our local indie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if it's not them, maybe it's Alamo. Maybe Alamo has it. Unfortunately, they did. The Alamo in uh, San Francisco. And uh, I'm nice. assuming it's like nationwide, right, Sam? Yeah, it's nationwide. I, I'd like to, if I may, I'd like to touch on this for a second. This is uh, actually something that has been uh, sort of unfolding in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, we all know what's going on in the world. And there were obviously a whole lot of movies that were just sort of in the can, ready to go to theaters. Uh, we've seen many of the bigger ones get delayed, but a lot of the yeah. smaller ones, they can't really afford to delay it because they need right. that revenue. So I love um, festival titles, too, that were kind yeah. of building up from the buzz of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what they've, what uh, many of these theaters have decided to do, the Alamo is one of them. I work for Alamo, full disclosure, but I see none of that, so it doesn't affect my life. Um what they've decided to do is release it online uh, in in the vein of any sort of regular streaming release. Um, but these are like new releases, so it's actually uh, pretty exciting. And it's, it, it's a perfect chance to uh, support your local theaters. Like if you have a local art house, that's where to look first because there's a good mm-hmm. chance that they're uh, associating with these distribution companies. Um, I know that if, if you happen to live in the Denver area like I do, I happen to know that the C Film Center, the Denver Film Society, they have like a good two dozen titles almost available for rental. The prices vary, but it's all worth it because these are this this is the really interesting stuff, the little indie movies and stuff. Uh, it's it's hard to find an audience, and so I hope this is uh, going to be a good way to do it. Um, there is a very handy list on the website Letterboxd that I came across uh, that was curated by the Letterboxd crew. They've yeah. listed all of the titles that are available in this way, and they include links, significant dates, uh, prices, if that's available. That's going to be where to look if you want some really interesting cinema. I've seen... Uh, a good amount of these, actually, I've like nine or ten of them. Uh, almost all of them are quite good, are, are very interesting at the very least. And Baccarat is one of them. And I will say this right now, uh, in case you can already tell it, I loved the hell out of Baccarat. As a matter of fact, it's probably my favorite movie of 2020 so far, of which I've seen like 50 or so. So that's actually saying something. It was, right. I was, I was really, really impressed by the way that it was able to be. Uh, really serious and about something really serious about the way that uh, the third world in air quotes sort of is, is being obscured from the rest, from the rest of the world. And especially at a time like this, when we're experiencing something on a global scale, I think something like this is really valuable to understand that just, it's kind of trite to say, but just that there is a lot of life going on outside of our awareness and it's really it's 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 really enlightening to see this uh village that they create for the movie is uh has a lot of character and it's uh, it's great to see these characters sort of fight for their own significance essentially and also it's really fun and exciting and really funny at times and uh i it's it's a little bit of everything and i really dug it and i i wonder if the two of you gentlemen agree yeah, well, uh, some some extra background in this movie too, to sort of set the stage. This premiered the Cannes Film Festival last May, 
It also showed up at a few festivals and like the fall circuits. And so it's, it's been out for a little while. I, uh, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was also in New York and I'm not aware of all of the places where it played. Yeah. And it was directed by Claber Mendoza Filho and Juliano Donés. And I, I haven't seen any of their previous films, if you will, Sam. I don't believe so. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. Okay, yeah, I haven't. Um, and yeah, when I saw this, I was kind of like, oh, it's a weird Western, <laughs> which uh, I feel like we haven't really seen one in a while. I think uh, so weird Westerns are they're Western films that take stuff from other subgenres like horror or fantasy or sci-fi. Uh, we've hmm. gotten like some of the classics include like uh, – you know, Wild Wild West, um, the show, not the uh, yeah. not the film adaptation. Uh, Deadlands <laughs> is probably pretty well known for the, for it as having like the horror slant, and then I mean, Mad more Max recently, like and, something like like Westworld too, the the show and the yeah, movie. yeah, Westworld is a good example. Uh, there's a, there's a long long legacy of films in this vein. I'd say that uh, Bakurao is kind of like it's it's almost like a Western, but also kind of like it, it begins like a feel good tourist movie into Brazil. <laughs> and then, but it also has like a little bit of slasher, a little bit of survivor, some interesting yeah. nods to sci fi. It's very interesting, but I think we've made it sound a lot weirder than it actually it is. It actually, at the same time, is mostly grounded in some substance um, in terms of like the world kind of takes itself a little bit more seriously than we're probably making it sound so far. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, uh, I've actually been to Brazil, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brazilian, um, Brazilian like films in general, because I think that people of Brazil are really great storytellers and there aren't enough Brazilian films that make it to the States, I think. And I was really happy to see this. Uh, I've never been to where they film this, but uh, it definitely reminded me of some of the places I've been. I've been to Sao Paulo, so I've been kind of close um, to some of those areas. I know we have a bunch of listeners from Brazil, and so it's uh, it's great that we get to tap into this. Um, this was also a co-production with France, so uh, you'll notice, like, Will and I were talking about this when, when I was watching the film. It's like, there are a lot of logos at the very beginning. <laughs> it's uh, almost kind of <laughs> comical. Um I, I didn't like this nearly as much as I think Sam did, unfortunately, mainly because I think that some of the storytelling is a little heavy handed. Like it, it pretty, it hits you over the head pretty, uh, pretty viciously with everything it's trying to say. But I do, I do really like this. And I think that it's point and it's message are all really well told. Uh, but what about you, Will? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I came in this only vaguely familiar with it. We played it at the film festival at the theater where I work, but it, I knew it was like one of the like most popular titles. Um, and all I really knew about going in was just that Udo, how you pronounce that thing? Kier or Kier? Yeah. Udo Kier. Udo Kier. Kier. Okay. Just making sure I pronounce it right. I mean, I knew he was involved because his face is just like right on the poster. And I knew like it had kind of like a Western aesthetic to it going in. So like I had like that idea in mind, but really other than that, I didn't know much about it. And yeah, I think, I know you guys were suggesting that was like kind of crazy and I, I didn't really get that. <laughs> like it only really was until like the 90 minute mark where I was like, oh, okay, this is a movie like that was basically anticipating this would be uh, like, like you're saying, John, it's a lot more grounded. I think that was anticipated, yeah, but it's slow to get to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, besides like we said, like, like one of the flying saucer shows, I was like, what, what? And then like at the beginning, like when the first shots in like space, it's like, okay, <laughs> like those little moments felt like, okay, where is this going to go? But for the most part, it's pretty grounded and it does follow like your traditional kind of Western template, I think outside of a few eccentricities, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, I would definitely say 
beyond, you know, supporting your local indie art house theaters, which I definitely think you should. I think it's just a well told film that's worth watching. I, I do think I'm somewhere closer to John on this one than you, Sam, just because I, in addition to being kind of heavy handed, I do think it's a little rough around the edges. I don't, I don't think the tonal and genre shifts are quite as skillful as I think it could have been. Like, I, I definitely felt like a lot of like the, like, shifts and a lot of like the turns like i don't think it felt entirely graceful to me but i mean any film that really gets me into like a place that i've never really been to or never really seen an experience like or from the perspective of i really cherish those type of films and i really admire films that can give me that perspective in a way that does feel very vibrant and lived in and organic with a lot of different personalities and i do really like that aspect of it i one of my favorite or some of my favorite scenes are when it's just like the townspeople just like clearly you know well versed in each other's characteristics and it's just them living their lives like even like kind of the more slower non-genre elements i think really stand out to me in a way that i wasn't expecting going into this but yeah i mean it's a, it's a solid fun film it has you know blood sex drugs udo kier and uh you know what else <laughs> what do you really need you in ask a movie? For? Yeah. yes exactly yeah what, what do you really need <laughs> Everything you're saying as a negative, I think, is all part of the fun. I literally shouted in happiness when some of the when some of the reveals happened in this movie. I was like, "Oh, I can't believe we're going here." This movie loves me and it wants to show me a good time, and by God, it did. Yeah, I guess I was just gonna say that um, what I what I do really like about this is that I I really love this cast. Um, I know we can't say enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Sonia Braga, who plays Domingas, is like, I love her so much and her like cool bravada and, you know, um, yeah. my only the woman who plays my only complaint. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna say my only complaint is that she kind of disappears for large chunks of this movie, which uh, I was kind of does make it count about. though. Yeah, for, no, for sure. I just mean that I thought she was going to play a bigger presence than she ultimately did by the end of it. I, I to what you're saying, well, like I really enjoy this village in general and the world building around like who they are, where they come from, and how they work as like a collective. And what this, but what this movie ends up saying about whether or not you know what it's all leading up to, I think is kind of clunky. And I don't know. I just didn't find the the climax as satisfying as I wanted to. Like it was, it was satisfying thematically, I guess, but. I don't know. I was I was hoping really? for something a little bit more bombastic. Are you kidding? In, that was I don't know. It was kind of quiet it, and like it was a little. It's subdued. straight out of a Sergio Leone movie. That's true. It was fantastic. But it's it was less. It was more high noon than I guess I was expecting. I was expecting a little bit more of like a slasher horror version of Magnificent Magnificent Seven, and instead it was more of like a quiet, tense, like high yeah. noon or yeah. I guess Sergio Leone would be a good comparison. Well, I think considering that the film starts off with a kind of mournful tone, I think that's part of the reason why that is. Because for me, like, when it does kind of get more, like, splashy violent, it does kind of feel like a little, like, off note for me. Because it's this, it kind of comes in such stark contrast to what uh, comes before. And, you know, like, I, I love movies that are, like, over-the-top fun and violent in that way. But it, it did feel, like, kind of more out of place for me. Like, there's, like, a scene with a car that felt, like, almost gratuitous to me. Like compared to the tone of the rest of the film, considering how kind of melancholy and mournful it is about death and violence. So um, I, I, I think I'm in agreement with you, John, on that one. I, well, I'll only say one more negative thing because I don't want to make it sound like I'm so negative. I really enjoyed this. I got a real kick out of it. And I really agree with Will that it's just it was a refreshing movie. It was something we don't see enough of. And so I want to give it a lot of a lot of credit. So one more thing that I was just a little bit eh on. 
I, I just didn't like, there, I'm trying to say this without spoiling anything, but there's this, there are these groups, of, there's this group of characters who their writing is so on the nose that I was really annoyed. Yes. I was just kind of like, that's, you don't, it doesn't have to be that. It's like, they say things that I'm like, all right, like, that's such a caricature, you know, like, that's not interesting. That's just mm-hmm. kind of like a cheap shot. It felt like a bit of a straw man when it didn't need to be. Yeah. It kind of gave me some flashbacks to like the hunt. <laughs> surprisingly some of the some of those characters i have to admit yeah, except a it's bit. a million times as good as the hunt it is better than the hunt I'll, Way i will better. say that oh yeah <laughs> couldn't agree more on that all right well sam i know we've we've said a lot of things we've uh pointed yeah. some things out i don't know your i don't i don't know if you agree with but uh, i guess my final thought is that i think you should watch this because it's it's you know, it's a little long. It's like two hours, ten minutes, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And the mashing of genres, I disagree with Will a little bit. I do think it it does kind of transition pretty seamlessly. So uh, I'm a B plus. I, I I say go see it. B for B for Bada, which is where they filmed this. <laughs> hmm. Fair enough. Uh, what about you? Uh, 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 let's say Will and we'll end with the highest. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I I was anticipating being as negative as I was, cause I really didn't enjoy this. I, like I said, um, I really enjoyed the perspective here. I really admire what it did as far as its sense of location and how it really brought out like these fun variety of characters. And, uh, you know, I, 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 even though I did find the genre shifts a little jarring, I did appreciate when the movie was willing to take a few risks like that and kind of just be whatever it really wanted to be in, in a different point in time. And I mean, I can't get enough of Udo here. <laughs> I mean, that, I think I wasn't quite as crazy about the comedy of the film, but I think all of his, well, not all of his, a lot of his lines are just really did hit my funny bone pretty hard. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just a really fun film. Well worth your time. Definitely, like I said, um, worth looking to see if it's available at your uh, local art house theaters online. Uh, I would check their sites first and then see if you can find it if you can. Uh, definitely check it out there. If not, check it out on the Alamo Draft House site because... Uh, yeah, it's just well worth your time. It's a lot of fun, and I can see why a lot of people are really high up on it. I'm going to give it a pretty high B. All right, so B, B plus, and then there's Sam Nolan, and then there was Sam. And then there was Sam. Yes, I I agree with everything positive that John and Will have said, uh, and none of the negative <laughs> stuff, because I, I think it's all part of the fun. I think for, for better or worse, and I, as you can tell, I think it's for the better, uh, it, it does, it's exactly the movie that it wants to be. Uh, warts and all, so be it. Uh, I think it's all part of the fun. I'm going to give it a, oh gosh, you know, I'm going to give it an A, kind of a low A, but I'll, I'll, this is very, very likely to end up on my top 10 of the year come the Mm. end of 2020. I mean, I do want to agree with you that I do find even some of the things I was critical about pretty charming as far as the flaws or things I perceive to be flaws at least. Cool. We have another movie to talk about. Let's talk about The Platform. It's just hit Netflix. And uh, I haven't seen this one, but Sam and Will have. All I know is that it's kind of like a horror thing, maybe? I don't know. Will Ashton, tell us about it. Um, Not really. I mean, kind of a horror concept. I don't, I don't know. I mean, would you consider it a horror film, Sam? No, I think it's more of a... Uh a social commentary parable sci-fi kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say it's got it had more of like a sci-fi tone I felt. Yeah, yeah. to it. It kind of reminded me of like a bit of Cube. Yeah, like I was the, the that and another movie we're reviewing this week reminded me of Cube. Uh it's 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 you would see this kind of thing on a Black Mirror episode. Uh Yeah, definitely for sure. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the concept is that there's like this, um, I think they call it vertical self-management center. It's yep. like kind of like, like it's, it's kind of like a catch all kind of thing. It's like, you know, it could be like a rehab, it can be a prison, it can be like a self-help center, but basically you wake up and you're on a level and you have like a roommate or like another person on this level. You just, uh, you can bring one item with you. And then for, I think about 30 days, you're on that level with that person. And then once or twice a day, I forget exactly how much this like huge platform comes down. It goes down to like all the levels and there's like 200 plus levels on this thing. And uh, you get basically whatever is the remains of the food. And that's what you can eat for your time there. And then when you spend your month in that time, you can either you end up, you know, higher you like on level like 14 or six, or you end up on something like 176, like 204. And uh, once you get to lower levels, obviously things uh, take a turn for the worse and you may not, (laughs) you might have less than scraps as far as the platform is concerned. So uh, the concept of cannibalism is not out of question. And then uh, it's, it's quite in the question as a matter of fact. Um, But as far as the plot, it's mostly following this one guy. He's like a kind of intellectual personality. He mainly joins the, or he self, he willingly goes into this platform or this uh, vertical self management center because um, he wants to quit smoking. Yeah. And he also wants to get uh, his like doctorate or like some sort of thesis or some, or some, some professional merit. Um, and, you know, like all the people that he ends up being, uh, or uh, maybe let me rephrase it. Cause that's kind of a spoiler, but um, the, his roommates are basically just like, you know, why, why would you willingly go into this thing? And that's kind of the question throughout the film. And, uh, you know, I, I would say I enjoyed it. I, I think it left me a little wanting in certain respects, but as far as if you want to see something that's just like a cool high concept Netflix watch, I think it's certainly worthwhile, but I'm curious to hear where you land on it, Sam. Cause I actually don't know where you land on this one. Uh, more or less the same place. I think it's certainly, it's, it's kind of like, it sounds like something that a philosopher might come up with. Like Plato would have come up with something like this. Like what if every level got nothing but the remains of the previous level? And it's literally visualized here in this world that the implication is that it's sort of like maybe in the near future or in some dystopian version of the present or something like that. Yeah. I was very unclear on uh, how the world outside of this one particular location works. We only see a few scenes outside of it. And I'm wondering how did it get to this point? And I feel like that's kind of the movie. The movie thinks that's the point, like how that's, that's very much what's going on with, you know, like quite literally like trickle down economics and stuff Mm, like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much, uh, your, how should I say this? Your situation is very much dictated, uh, Mm. by those above you. And it's sort of impossible to get out from that in 99.9% of cases. It's sort of like, um, if, if, it, it's kind of it's it's working with kind of the same idea as Parasite about how yeah for uh, sure. it's kind of a trap or Snowpiercer or too. Snowpiercer there you go it's yeah. it's uh, it, Bong Joon Ho is all over this thing uh, right down to the mm-hmm. aesthetics I actually come to think of it it looks kind of similar to uh, a Bong Joon Ho movie but uh, I think it's 
It's not quite as insightful as I think it is. I think more than anything, it's just sort of neat to watch. Like there's clear, there's a lot of competence. It looks really good. It sounds really good. The atmosphere of this place is very convincing. The visual effects, uh, I couldn't even tell what were effects and what weren't, which I suppose is a good yeah. sign. Um, and it goes to places that are exciting and kind of uh, uh, just kind of chilling a little bit. Like, oh wow, that would that would go down, wouldn't it? And True. It ends in a place that's vaguely interesting, but I'd be lying if I said I've thought about it very much in the couple of days it's been since I watched it. So it's neat. That's where I'll come down on it. Yeah, I'm actually pretty similar to you. I think the only thing I disagree on is I really wasn't concerned about the outside world of this in this universe movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, as far as I see, it's like I only really concern myself with what the movie wants me to be concerned about, sure. which is the platform itself. Right. And I was like, I'm not really thinking about like, I, I mean, that's one thing I really admire about the film is that it feels very economical. Yeah. Like it's not really boggling down too much with exposition. There's like a character here. It's like, I'm the exposition machine. <laughs> but like beyond that, there's really like, not like, you know, like a news clips or anything like concerning, like, you know, like it's the year 2024 and you know, like, you know, like things like that. It doesn't really bother with that. And I admire it for that. And it's a tight, like 95 minutes film or something, like maybe 98 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I, I do really, I mean, any film that can be tight like that and just tell its story in a pretty compact, uh, consistently interesting way, I really admire. Yeah. And I think performances are pretty good. And I like, I agree with you definitely. The production design, like the special effects, I think are really smartly handled. But I guess where I fell a little, the movie was a little lacking was just that, like you said, I think the messaging here is very sort of like clunky. Like it feels like that line from parasite i'm glad you brought it up because it's I, the whole time I just kept thinking it's so metaphorical <laughs> <laughs> like everything in this movie is like a metaphor for something yeah <laughs> and, it's, and if it reminded me it was like i bet the, this guy is probably his first feature film and he's probably a film student who made like a couple short films and then i looked up on my mdb i was like yep <laughs> that's what happened <laughs> yeah uh just because the way it's, it's executed it does kind of feel like a first movie just like Nothing about it feels particularly organic. Like it, it, all its social commentary is very on the nose, very blunt. But like I said, I mean, I think it's a smart film. I think it handles its concept pretty well as far as like not really bogging you down with anything. Uh, and it's pretty well edited, too. Like there's one scene in particular I thought that was really well edited and really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I it, it's not a particularly memorable film, less so than I anticipated. Like I think I saw this like a day ago, maybe two days ago. And I've really not thought about it much outside of <laughs> the days are all blending together, aren't they? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I will say though, I, I mean, if you are in quarantine right now, and I hope you are, it is a pretty effective watch in that regard. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird how that works out, isn't it? The filmmakers yeah. must have been like, "Ooh, that's handy." No, I mean, I was thinking Netflix just like score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they were just like, "Oh, we really nailed the release day of that one." <laughs> <laughs> we might as well. Uh, yeah. I, I, Pretty much everything. And to be clear, the world building, it didn't drive me nuts or anything. It was just sort of there. Mm. So it's well sure. made. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Uh, I think for when it comes to a final grade, I'm going to give it a solid B minus. Like there are problems, but it doesn't doesn't bother me, but they're there. So yeah, it's sure. uh, worth a watch, I'd say. Yeah, same here. I'm a B minus as well. Cool. Oh, look at this synergy. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> as someone who didn't see the movie, I give the film a B minus. So of course you that. did, John. The- <laughs> The average remains exactly the same. All right. Uh, there's another thing that two of us have seen, but one has not, and that is McMillions or stylized McMillian dollar sign. And yes. Uh, yep. yes, the dollar sign is an S. You figured it out. All right. So this is a new mm-hmm. documentary miniseries. It is about the McDonald's monopoly game scam. 
You can find this documentary right now on HBO, but it also premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. But yeah, there's a scam that happened uh, between 1989 and 2001 where... Apparently, somebody was rigging the McDonald's Monopoly game. I don't know if any of you have ever played the Mono- McDonald's Monopoly thing, where you you can like get the little th- you know the little pieces off of the cup yeah. and you can get like free fries. Mm-hmm. But they were instant win uh, prizes, like you could win a million dollars. It sounds like Will, Sam, you were you were into this. This happened for you a little bit. I mean, I remember like in the like early to mid two thousands. I I remember having like a little board and they had like at least like two or three little like pieces on the. Monopoly thing, but I, I knew I was never gonna <laughs> win a million dollars, and this is before I knew about the fraudulent <laughs> scam that was gonna ensue. Yeah, right. Yeah, I vaguely remember seeing the advertisements, but I immediately brushed it off as being probably a scam. And look what happened. Ah, yes. Well, yeah. you were actually born though, like not too long before it all ended. So yeah. Which is strange because I don't know what I I must have been I must be thinking of the ads for something different because I very specifically well, remember seeing some sort around. of monopoly like, lottery thing. Yeah, I mean they they brought it back after this. Yeah. Like it, they took a little bit of time okay. afterwards, but they did they did have the mon- monopoly game uh, after this. But it it took yeah. a little while because they wanted to earn the goodwill again for for the story that's told here. Now, like I said, uh, yeah. this is a, just a mini series, one season explaining what happened here. And it's six episodes. Each episode is about like 45 to 48 minutes long. And uh, you spent a lot of the beginning part of the documentary. By the way, I forgot to say it was uh, executive produced by Mark Wahlberg and uh, Stephen Levinson. But uh, anyway, yeah. So you spent most of the first episode, which I think is probably the best episode, walking through why the why and how the fbi opened this investigation in the first place and it's like oh somebody apparently set them off and we follow the story of this really charismatic fbi agent who's very young at the time who sort of took this up because he Mm -hmm. was just kind of bored he was in a state where the fbi wasn't doing much uh 9-11 gets brought up that this was like way before then so like fbi was like not exactly the fbi we know of today which focuses mainly on like counterterrorism. uh this was a very kind of a not frivolous, but it was something that, like, the FBI, you can tell, they had fun. Like, they had fun with this investigation. At least that's, that's how they're making it sound. I mean, this was, like, for them, kind of like a sexy crime. Like, something that's kind of, like, out of the box and, like, <laughs> kind of out, you know, it wasn't it wasn't their usual thing. And, like you said, they clearly had fun, you know, solving this case. But then, weirdly enough, the documentary goes on, and then you start to get introduced to the actual perpetrators of this scam. You get to meet all these crime families and all these witnesses. And for whatever reason, it ends up not being as interesting as when the FBI are telling the story. It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> right. And yeah, we've oh, talked sure, about yeah. this already off the air, but I was yeah. super bored for most of this documentary, which is very sad because it's such, it has such a promising start. And there are moments like in mm-hmm. episodes two and three where it was still riding along. I was still into it, but it like slowly phases out the interesting voices and puts in all these people and like this dramatic like family stuff, family drama that I was like, can we just get back to the McDonald's thing? <laughs> like, you know, like we, you learn so little about like they cram all of the details about how this scam happened into like 20 minutes in one of the last episodes. It's super weird. And so I don't really recommend this because I found it to be kind of a huge waste of time. Like it could have so easily been a two hour documentary, all the interesting stuff, none of the clutter. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
I, I do agree with you at the beginning of this is where I was mostly intrigued by it. I would say I think my favorite episode is the second one, unless I'm conflating that with the first one. Um, because like like you said, that's when we really get like kind of the more like fun, almost heist kind of things with the FBI. Oh, okay, yeah. And it just felt like there's good stuff. Yeah, there. it felt like they kind of fr- it felt like they like front loaded all the fun stuff because they were like worried that like people wouldn't stay past like the first episode or something. And then, like you said, they kind of draw out the more uh, uninteresting stuff later on. And I don't know. I just don't really see why they didn't just make this like a 125 minute movie. The trial and like all that stuff. That's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so boring. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they include that at all. I mean, like, you know, I guess yeah, I'm sure somebody finds it interesting. It's not uninteresting, I guess. But it's like, yeah, it just it felt like boggled down in the way it's like, I don't know if they like got six episodes and like. When they're editing, they're like, oh, no, <laughs> like uh, we, like they finish episode two. And I was like, oh, geez, uh, we got to figure out a way to pad out the rest of this. Um, but I don't know. It just yeah. I mean, it, it to me, it reminded me of like all the people who thought and I know this includes you, John, but um, all the people thought Tiger King was outstretched. Um, and I don't know. I just like, you know, for all its faults, like I was never bored watching Tiger King and this I got kind of bored by like episode three. <laughs> Uh, and that's a shame because I think it's a really fun, interesting story. I believe Ben Affleck is like supposed to be directing a dramatization version of this with Matt Damon being involved, either as an actor or producer. Which I could see that. Uh, and I think the dead. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think the best parts of this are like kind of the more like snappy, stylish kind of uh, for more fun, high energy things, which I think it could play really well to an audience, you know, especially uh, if McDonald's, you know, signs off and letting them use their name and brand, which if they let them do the founder, I'm pretty sure they're going to. So, uh, I think that's fine, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's one of those rare times where it's like, I'd rather just see the like dramatized version, dramatized version of this. Like, I don't really care as much about the real people outside of Doug Matthews. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, about you know, Gloria Brown. it, it yeah. I was, I was pretty invested okay, with her yeah. once well, not when they first introduced her, but like when you actually get to hear her side of the story, I was like, dang, like what she went through. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know why, like the only thing I, the only people I wanted to spend more time with was those like people who were in like the Simon marketing, like the lower level, like the people that they interview, like at the round table, like yeah. they were like the subjects. I was like, I really want to spend more time with those guys. Cause those seem like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and I would rather spend less time with Rose Colombo. You, you could easily see like a Goodfellas explanation of not just the scam and the heist and all that, but also like how mm-hmm. the lot, how the like printing works of like all right you know like you could easily see like ryan gosling or i guess ben affleck just like or matt damon actually roll in there and be like all right you know he like takes a big sip from a mcdonald's cup you're probably thinking (laughs) to yourself how do they do this and he like shoves like this the the game piece into the camera Uh, like like the big short approach (laughs) and then it just like cuts to the factory and like yeah yeah, it's like all stylized i guess but um yeah it's other than that that would be cool that'd be cool yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. I, it felt like a better, like, two-hour dramatized movie than a six-hour uh, HBO documentary. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun story. I mean, I think it's pretty well-produced. Like, it's slick. And it's not, you know, I mean, it's not poorly made. But, no. Uh, yeah, it just it's way too long. Yeah, it's just, it's just the subject matter does not support. I feel so bad because I know people who did see right. this at Sundance, and they watched all six hours in one sitting in the theater. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why I did not watch it. I was like, yeah. that is the sunken cost of that. Of like, I'm going to miss all of these other movies I could watch at Sundance. So I can watch this <laughs> HBO documentary right. mini series that's going to be out. And like this started, this came out literally like the week after Sundance. 
like the first episode. Like it's been out. Yeah. It just had its like last episode right. a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago. So anyway, that's McMillions. Um, it's a documentary miniseries. So I don't have a grade for how it. How many people do you think? How many people do you think went into it though? Like, oh, this will just be like a two-hour doc. You know, McDonald's. <laughs> this seems like a fun story. Yeah, and then right, exactly. like they're there hour three. And it's like, is this is this still going? <laughs> <laughs> the director turns around. It's like we're halfway there. Don't yeah. get out of your seat. <laughs> oh, they hand out like McDonald's cups for you to pee in. Yeah, like the director's like, wait, we're showing the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he's like, not even I've seen all of it. <laughs> <laughs> why is this? Oh, the director just like, why is this so long? <laughs> oh man, what happened to the two-hour cut we did? All right, um, yeah, that's McMillions. Um, we're running low on time, so uh, we're, we're going to save one of these these next movies for, I guess, ha- we'll have to do next week. But uh, let's talk about... Oh, I was just going to mention oh, good. Uh, real quick that, um, that and not that we really sold it too well, but <laughs> McMillan's is one of several HBO shows that are now available on HBO Go for free. If you don't have a subscription, you can check out like Barry, Silicon Valley, Sopranos, The Wire. Um, a bunch of things are on there right now. There's an article on Polygon that I use to look it up. Um, yeah, check it out. There's a lot of if you're looking for other things to watch during the quarantine, that's definitely a lot. of. There's a lot of really good stuff on there that I've been watching that I think other people would enjoy as well. All right. That is McMillions. It is on HBO now. Uh, I should say HBO dot 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 now, not HBO now, the streaming service, although it is on that, too. So whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about a film called Swallow. Uh, this movie premiered mm. last year at the Tribeca Film Festival, so almost a year ago. Um, and it's, uh, I think it came out in France this past January, and then it's now in the United States as of March. So uh, mm. it's been out for a little while out here on the state side, but we're just now getting to it. This was this is the directorial debut of Carlo Mirabella Davis, and it stars Haley Bennett, Austin Stowell, Elizabeth Marvel. David Rash and Dennis O'Hare. Is it? Is that everybody? As far as I can tell. Yes. I say that kind of cheekily because I swear Haley Bennett in the, like the poster for this movie looks so much like Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm going to tell you this right now. That's consistent in okay. the movie. I don't know if that was a constant choice or, or I mean, a uh, complicit choice. I mean, I feel like that's been like something that's followed her throughout her whole career. Sure, yeah. Like she, kind of the same with Logan Marshall, Paul being like, yeah, uh, like the B grade. Um, Tom Hardy, I feel like that's always been with Haley Bennett. It's like, oh, she's that girl looks like Jennifer Lawrence. Right. Yeah, I think we talked and about. She's this, a great actress, but yeah. I think yeah. we talked about this way back in like when we talked about hardcore, hardcore Henry, and uh, this is before Cinemaholics, but uh, Magnificent Seven was like the last yeah. thing I think I saw her in. Yeah, I was gonna say Magnificent Seven. She's also, but she is also married yeah. to Joe Wright. Which is worth bringing up. Um, Talk about Mr. Wright. <laughs> there you go. And this, that nice was the last episode Will Ashton ever appeared on Cinema Clean <laughs> 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 fun. I have not seen Swallow, Very but nice. uh, Sam Nolan, how does one watch Swallow? What are your avenues by which to see it? I forgot to mention, this is ISC Films. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I just watched it through Amazon Prime. It's available through a variety of streaming services. It's on uh, YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, possibly. It's 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 out there. It it you can find it. It was one of those movies that was one of those ill-fated movies that was released on the weekend of March thirteenth and did not even get 
uh, to to fill out a whole week in the cinemas before they all started closing down. So it actually was playing at my art house. I did not get a chance to see it until a few days ago when I rented it. And by golly, am I glad I did because this – I said Baccarat was my favorite uh, movie of the year. This is probably my second favorite in all honesty. It's that and uh, uh, tied with another movie, but this is top three material. It, this reminds me of the episode I came on uh, ba- way back in the fall when Ad Astra and One Cut of the Dead came out the same weekend. That was a brilliant weekend great, for me. Great this weekend is the same because, yeah, it, not quite as good for anyone else, but you know what? That's why it's my weekend, so I'm keeping it. Uh, Swallow is a movie about uh, this woman played by Haley Bennett, uh, uh, Hunter is her name, who gets married to essentially a spoiled rich kid. Think about if the villain from John Wick Chapter 1 weren't an assassin, this is probably the guy he'd be, just living completely under the thumb of uh, the success of his father before him, living in this giant like lakeside house that's almost always completely abandoned because uh, he's always at work, and she gets to just stay home. And you can probably guess what the movie's going to be about, uh, is, subtextually at least, um, which is about the way that men sort of, uh, these sort of, in air quotes, very powerful men uh, sort of uh, end up marrying these women and putting them in kind of just like strangleholds of marriage where they're not really allowed to do anything. Uh, they're not allowed to step out of line, so to speak. And, and, and this is all horrifying. So I'm obviously that's uh, the movie is very aware of that. Um, this, there's a scene. Um, what's that? This, I was gonna say this, this sounds like it'll make a good double feature with invisible man. Yeah, I was. That's literally what I was thinking the whole time. Oh, sorry. It's if Elizabeth yeah. Moss never, no, it, it's it's all good. It's Elizabeth. Oh gosh, if Elizabeth Moss was never like decided never to escape and wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as uh, forthright and uh, uh, willing to reclaim her own life, this it would probably be more more like uh, more or less like this because what ends up happening is that as it so often does in very dramatic movies of this kind. The pregnancy test comes out positive. She's about to be trapped with this man for probably ever if this child is born. And so in sort of a subconscious need to uh, sort of try something new and daring or perhaps even and this is this comes into play later uh, to to uh, harm the child in some way, she decides I'm going to start swallowing that aren't food. She starts with a marble, eventually gets to more dangerous things like a screwdriver and a thumbtack and a battery, and it goes from there. And when I, from describing that premise, it sounds like it's probably all gonna revolve around that gag of, of, of no pun intended, I, did, I didn't even do that on purpose, around that gag of just swallowing stuff and seeing what's gonna happen. Gross. But really, that that part kind of kind of steps to the side after the halfway point it's it's interesting at first cuz you're like where's this going and then you see where it's going and it becomes w- without giving away the ending um it's really inspiring and really dramatic and it's it's a heavy movie for sure uh in in just about every way uh but it ends up being incredibly cathartic and i was 
my eyes were glued to the screen the whole time. And I think I was really glad that I decided to, to shell out the six big ones and uh, and give this a watch because it was fantastic. I really loved it. This is this is uh, this is another A. This is really really good. So I'm I saw a lot more movies this week, but I'm glad that I got to talk about uh, this one and Baccarat because boy, am I in a good mood at the at the home cinema, so to speak. All right, that is Swallow, and uh, Will and I didn't get a chance to see this, but uh, I'm intrigued. But Sam, I gotta say, it sounds gross. I don't want to watch. No thanks. Uh, well. It kind of is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but uh, listen, it's it's worth the ride, I would say. All right. So that's another A from Sam Nolan. Let's talk about our last film of the week, Coffee and Kareem. I think this is going to be another A for uh, Sam. Ending on a high note. (laughs) You you know what we mean. Uh, Yeah, so this was directed by Michael Douse, and you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, that sounds familiar. You guys have talked about Michael Douse before. We know who that is. Mm-hmm. We, who, who wants to guess? Was it Stuber? Yeah, it was Stuber. The director of Stuber mm. is back. He made another buddy comedy. And this time, it's uh, it's Netflix. And it stars Ed Helms. And also, some of you might not recognize, because he's a new actor, Terrence Little Garden High. And, uh, oh, look, Betty Gilpin. She's back. And Taraji P. Henson. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a buddy comedy, and I I don't want to I hate it I hate this movie I don't want to talk about it Why do we, Why are we talking about this Will Whose idea was this It wasn't my idea <laughs> Anyway, what's the movie about? I didn't, I didn't green light this movie <laughs> Um, so this is one of those films that I I don't know how the production came about I don't know how the screenwriting process came But it sounds like they had an they had an idea for a title that was like Oh, coffee and cream That's kind of funny Like coffee and cream Where do we take this? And uh, they decided to, uh, you know, like you said, make it kind of sort of a buddy comedy uh, where we have a, an, an incompetent cop played by Ed Helms. Uh, I think you were dancing around that one at the top. Um, and uh, he is uh, in a relationship with Taraji P. Henson's character. And she has a young son named Karim, who is a bit of a troublemaker, uh, doesn't really uh play well with authority figures and certainly isn't really looking for a father figure in his life but a uh, series of unfortunate instances occur and they are basically both on the lamb together and you know maybe these two guys have to get along and that's more or less the plot of this netflix film wow uh it sounds so interesting and fresh and original and i'm sure the, sure. the racial politics are just so progressive and um, hilarious and hopefully biting in its social commentary. Am I right about any of those things? You would not be. Uh, no, I mean, I, I do think Michael Dallas has made some good films, not Stuber and not this, but I did like Goon. I did like What If. And I don't know, it seems like Michael Dallas is like trying to make like this type of like 80s and 90s movies that aren't really being made anymore. Like, you know, Goon's very much like a nod to like 80s uh, sports comedies uh, what if is kind of like your traditional 90s rom-com, uh, you know, obviously Stuber and Coffee and Cream are like kind of not to like, you know, sort of R-rated buddy comedies, like, you know, something like Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. And, you know, I, I, I think that implies that he's trying to do something subversive or fun or interesting with this film. And it's not. It's just a very like uh, middling, entirely unremarkable Netflix comedy. And like you said, it, it really seems to be riding on one joke, maybe two <laughs> or three. 
and runs those into the ground, I think, by minute 10. <laughs> and then yeah. is like, hey, we got 80, 88 more minutes left. Or, sorry, 88 minutes in this runtime. Let's make it feel like 131. <laughs> uh, I, if yeah. that, yeah. I, it's only, yeah, 120, 128 minutes. That's it. And I was, I think, yeah. I think when it was at the hour point, I was like, it's got to be over by now. <laughs> what else do they have? Uh, well, it's been 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it, this is tough because I'm not, I, I'm not in the mood to trash a movie right now. I'm just not. And at the same time, I have to say, this is easily one, one of, if not the worst movie I think I've seen in like five years. Like I'm having a hard time trying to remember a movie I so thoroughly found insufferably bad. And it's one of those movies where I consider it bad because of how just it, it's, it, it tries, it tries so hard. And that's what, that's what makes me upset. And it, it, I think, I think if I had to distill it down, the main criticism is the fact that Ed Helms in this is terrible. I, I not him as an actor, but his character is just terrible. He's just like no charisma. His personality is so one notes. It's, it's really just a continuation of failed characters that he's done in the past. And we know he can do so much better than this. And this kid, Terrence Little Garden High, I have nothing against this kid. He's He actually seems like a pretty good actor, weirdly enough. He's so annoying in this. Yeah, I think he's fine. Holy cow. Will I, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, he's, I, he's, an, he's an entirely unlikable character. It's so unlikable it hurts. Like his whole motivation in the movie boils down to like, I just want this cop to die. Like, or he, I want to I, not, not die. Sorry. Just, he tries to hire a gangster to paralyze him. And like, he takes it so far, but he's also like in fifth grade. So there's like this weird white person's idea of like what a sassy black kid is like that just really bothered me. Uh, I mean, I think you're underplaying the like 15 times that he, without basis, uh, accused him of being a pedophile. For, oh my word! For yeah. laughs, I guess there's like this long-running thread too of like this homophobic thing that keeps getting brought up, and it's like it. it I will give it this: it does lead to kind of an almost funny moment, but only because uh, the guy who plays Orlando Johnson, um, I forget that actor's name. Is it um because there's King Bach, the the Vine guy, is in it, uh, but I think it's I think it's Ron Rico Lee, right? Is that, is that who he is? He, the guy from Sister, Sister. Do you remember Sister, Sister? No? Okay. Sister, Sister was a great show. Okay. <laughs> and we all loved it, even if you never saw it. Uh, regardless, he, he actually genuinely, I thought, was good in this movie. Like, the point where I was like, what is he doing here? Like, he deserves better. I feel like the last movie I saw him in was maybe like that Guess Who with Bernie Mac. I don't know. But, uh... Yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, yeah. Years. <laughs> well hey that's how memorable this actor is right uh yeah and then sure. they try to throw in these things where like a andrew bachelor the king batch guy i think he's supposed to be like mental health anxiety guy like he's kind of sensitive i don't they try so hard with these jokes and that stuff isn't terrible but it's just i don't know the fact that we have to keep coming back to the main buddy comedy aspect is what destroys this movie because it's so bad and like not even Betty Gilpin kind of getting some really good, not good dialogue, I should say, but j just like selling terrible dialogue in the most bombastic way in a way that's mm -hmm. almost entertaining. That's that is why I think this sure. is so bad is because it could have been good ish or it could have been passable. 
And it just totally face plants. And I was so annoyed. And, and I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. See, you talk about how it tried too hard. I really didn't feel any effort. <laughs> I, it just kind of felt like that everyone was just shrugging it. Like, okay, yeah, I guess that's good enough for... Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> I don't know. I Some people, I would say that's the case, but not everybody. Yeah, sure. Like, David Allen Greer is just like, why am I in this? <laughs> they literally have like, to, like, knock I, I, out Taraji a- P. Henson because she's too logical. And they're like, it, there's just so much wrong with this movie. <laughs> It's just so bad. I, I, I took it more as like, like, I, I, oh, wait, you mean literally like, oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. that they did that to your character. <laughs> this movie is not very memorable. Um, If you couldn't tell, like I, I'm, I'm with the this is another film, Uh, even though I, I do think the platform is a lot better. It's another Netflix film that I'm having trouble remembering, even though I saw it uh, just this weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, just I felt like throughout the movie, I was just like, why is Trazy P. Henson here? Like, I mean, she's done some like not great movies in the past, but just like. You are so above this material. You're way yeah. above this character. <laughs> like, like you're an Oscar-nominated actress. Like, you, you could be doing so much else. You know, you're on a major TV show that that's well watched. I don't think it's maybe. Her fault. I think it has. I think it's. I mean, you know, I mean, the gig's a gig, but I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, it's mostly meant to be a vehicle for Ed Helms, and I don't think Ed Helms is untalented. I think he's just, you know, I think he's a better supporting actor more often than not i think he can lead an occasional indie film like cedar rapids but you know i think people i think took the wrong lessons when the hangover became a success and uh i think one of them was like hey let's turn ed helms into the new chevy chase <laughs> and right, that's right. Where, not like, who clearly, he is clearly like bradley cooper was the one who yeah or even zach galifianakis i think he's yeah. you know proven himself to be a fine leading man in certain things but um, yeah, just, I think Ed Holmes is just a, he's like your supporting player, like, and Ed Holmes, like he, he'll, he'll do a supporting scene, supporting character. I mean, pretty well. I think, you know, I, I think in the earlier seasons of like the office before he became the lead, I thought he was really funny, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just don't think this is a vehicle that suits his talents, which is weird. Cause I think he produced this as, and as well, as well as uh starring in it. Yeah. He so produced, like, I think he was putting it. some, yeah. So I think he was, you know, seeing this as a potential, you know, boost his career again. But yeah, just, it's a flat line. Yeah. I guess it was like, let's just, yeah, Adam Sandler can get away with this. So can we, and maybe they're right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I feel bad for yeah, being as know. negative on Spencer confidential as I was that Netflix film, because yeah, th- to me, this is far, far worse. Um, so yeah, I, I, I give, I give this one a D, um, not a C for coffee. That's for sure. Um, a D for <laughs> destroy. Not even a D minus from you. I thought about the D minus, but uh, I, that would that would sort of make it sound like there's almost nothing good in this. But I think part of why I think it's so bad is the fact that there's enough good in here that it's not the lowest low of the low. You know, it's it, it's it's complicated how I feel about this movie. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay, fine. Yeah, um, I'm not quite that negative on it. I mean, it's bad. Like I I think we've explained well enough why it's bad, but. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen worse. Like I, I, especially in the last five years. Like I mean, just off the top of my head, I know Baywatch is worse than this for sure. Uh, just talking about R.A. comedies. Baywatch but, is like a C, C minus. Uh, no, nah, that's a D for me. And so is Tag, which is also started uh, at home. Tag's a B minus, um, maybe a C plus. We can do this all day. Let's go. I, I sure whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, yeah, I mean for me it's a C minus. It's just. C minus for coffee, I guess. It's just, it's so thoroughly unremarkable that, you know, especially we've 
recommend a lot of really quality movies that you can see through various streaming services and uh you know you can support your local indie theaters and seeing really solid stuff don't don't bother with this it's not really worth it in any respect so yeah c minus yeah uh i think the last thing the last thing i guess i'll say is that you know you know what's probably the last movie i gave a c minus will ashton that i think is probably worse than this uh i don't know i think it would have to be vox lux yeah Hmm. John. Yeah, no. Vox Lux is an A minus film. <laughs> nope. No, I, I gave Vox Lux like a C, but whatever. Uh we don't have to relitigate that. I bet if I saw it again, it'd probably be like a D plus at that at this point. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know, man. I, I really enjoyed Vox Lux. I know. Anyway, it's that'll a movie I thought about a lot since I've seen it. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm just causing trouble. So that's it for our our episode of Cinemaholics. Sure. Thanks as always for listening. Sam, thanks for for dealing with uh, the big fight uh, between me and Will. Oh, yes. Always always glad to listen in on a good, juicy conflict. <laughs> um, just because you're here. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to go to our social media pages if you want to connect with us online. Um, all that stuff that we mentioned is in the show notes, and including a letterbox link. And I uh, hope you're all staying safe during the, the self-isolation and, and making good choices. We uh, hope things get back to normal sooner rather than later, if they ever do. Uh, but until then, we're going to keep this up of uh, reviewing streaming films. But we have some other ideas, uh, different types of episodes that we can do. Keep them coming our way. We have some things in the works that are a little different. Uh, but if there's anything you want us to review, check out. I know we got a comment um, for us to talk about some of our favorite comfort movies. That might be in the works, uh, something like that. Uh, another game night uh, we're still working on the details all that fun stuff and more let us know in the comments what you are after we'll see y'all next week from the internet california i am john mcgurney from the internet pennsylvania i'm Washington. and from the internet colorado i'm sam noland see you next time <laughs>